You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Auburn is not a place, it is a people. The loveliest village on the plains is more than a college sports venue, more than a university filled with historic buildings, more than a quaint little southern town. Its worth lies within its people, those that call Auburn home, whether that be for a single day at a time or for a lifetime. Much like our legendary Toomer's Oak Trees, our stories are the product of a firm foundation laid in the beginning of our Auburn story. These are the stories of the Auburn family. These are their roots. War Eagle Auburn family, and welcome back to Auburn Roots, our journey in this podcast of exploring and sharing the stories of your Auburn family members. This is episode 14, and I'm happy to welcome in my guest for this episode, Miss Susan Melton. Now, Susan and I have a common theme here, and it's a one that I've shared with a lot of different guests that we've had on this series so far, and that is one D Ford, which you can hear back on episode one, the very first episode of this series, telling her Auburn roots. But we are thankful to Dee for so many reasons, uh, being just the awesome person that she is, but also connecting so many of us that might not have had an opportunity to get to know each other within the Auburn family uh, at that point, at least. And that is what has happened here. Susan and I have gotten to know each other uh, over the past couple of years, whether it be at Auburn Games, along with D and things like that, and on social media. So, Susan, I am very pleased to have you here. So, welcome. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your invitation. I am always happy to have anybody on here. And I think one thing that I want to say, too, uh, as part of this at the start of this, is uh, an encouragement to you, and I've said this to you privately as well, but I'll say it publicly for everybody here. I want everybody to feel like they are welcome to share their story on here and that your story is special, your story is unique, and it needs to be heard. Um, no matter how small you might think it is, your Auburn roots are important, and that's why uh, we re- reach out to you. So that's a, more, that's a message to you, Susan, but it's also a message to anybody out there that might feel like, well, my story may not be that interesting. I'm telling you, I already know just from talking to you, we're going to have some interesting moments. And I mean, if, if nothing else, just talking about your perspective of D Ford is, is pretty cool as well. Absolutely. So let's, let's start right there. You know, before we talk a little bit more in detail about you, give me your impressions of the wonderful Miss D Ford. Well, D was somebody that I was following on social media, like so many people couple years ago. And I had the pleasure of meeting her in person the first time in February of 2019, when one of my sisters and I took a trip to London and made arrangements to meet her actually at Windsor Castle and take the tour and spend the day with her and get to know her. And um, of course, we had communicated through social media in advance and everything and, and knew what was going to happen, but it was just an an instant connection, I feel, on both sides. We 
had a wonderful day, a wonderful visit. And I think we both made good friends for life. Yeah, it's amazing how small this world is. Uh, social media makes that a lot easier. Uh, it makes it a lot easier to chat in good and bad ways sometimes, especially in the realm of college athletics. Uh, we get fired up in person, but boy, do we get fired up on social media as well. And, you know, Dee has experienced that level, whether she wanted to or not, and now she's indoctrinated. And, you know, lo and behold, after her story takes off, you guys develop this friendship all the way across the ocean. And you've been over there to see her. She's come over here to see you. And tell me what that experience has been like watching a brand new Auburn fan take shape in their uh, coming to this family, in learning about the indoctrination, I guess, of all this. Like, what, what has that experience been like watching her? It, it's been phenomenal. Um, my impression of Dee is that she basically is a sponge with everything related to Auburn. She's fascinated by it. She latches onto it, embraces it, and has really taken an interest and, and does her own research and everything like that. And in fact, some cases, I think she probably knows more about Auburn and the Auburn family than I do. And I've been in it a little bit longer than she has. <laughs> Isn't that amazing that someone that's been w within the Auburn family uh, for only a few years knows more than we do? And I can say the same thing that you ha can about that. As I see her on uh, Twitter, you know, talking about this angle and that angle of this play. And I'm like, hold on, w when did she grasp this concept? I never even saw that. So it's amazing to see how Auburn can just grab you sometimes and just draw you in. And I think her story is a testament to that. I definitely agree. And I, she's a, a very good ambassador for us to have across the pond. I, I know she's not done with her visits coming over here. It's just, unfortunately, with the current pandemic going on, nobody seems to know when the next time might happen. But I feel certain that we'll be hosting her again before this is all over with. Oh, I'm looking forward to that day because I always love spending some time, even for a few short minutes, if it might be with Miss D. Ford. Uh, but let's talk a little bit more about you and start getting to know you. And before we start diving into where Auburn comes into your personal story, I always kind of like to ask a little bit of a short background, you know, a little bit about where you were born. Uh, if you could like give me a short summation of Susan Melton in a nutshell, how she got to this point besides Auburn. Give me that right now. Okay, so you're going to be scratching your head before this one's over with, probably. Um, <laughs> I am not a Southerner by birth. I was born in Indiana, and my parents were in the, the corporate scene, so my dad used to get transferred quite often with his job, and by the time we ended up in Birmingham, which was my first actual exposure to all things Auburn. Um, I was in the fifth grade and it was state number six. Wow. Six already in the story. Right. So three elementary schools and a kindergarten later, I joined the Auburn family. So it, um, some of us get a later start than others, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean we love it any less. Well, I love that you brought up that you're not a traditional Southerner, meaning that you weren't born here. You weren't raised in this for a lot of your life. So give me the perspective of someone who's not a Southerner. You know, had you heard about Auburn before you got here? Actually, no, considering the age that I was, was a, I was in the fifth grade when my family moved here. I have two older sisters 
who were in the latter part of high school when we moved from Atlanta to the Birmingham area. And so they were looking at colleges to attend. And my dad was, shall we say, on the strict side. He had to be since he had three daughters. (laughs) And so he had done his own research on not only academics, but the entire thing. And anybody who has been in the state of Alabama, especially during football season, knows that there are essentially two teams who play, and that's Auburn and Alabama. And you must pick a side. Mm -hmm. So he chose Auburn for my sisters to attend, mainly because at the time there were rules for women students, such as curfews and things like that. And that fit right in line with his way of thinking. And he felt more comfortable sending them to a school like Auburn, where he knew that, that they would have the guidance and shall we say, not, I won't say restrictions, but um, the care and attention, if you will, sure. that he was used to his daughters having. So I guess you can write that up to the conservative nature of Auburn in general, mm-hmm. um, but also the, the family type feel and the family values and things like that. But uh, I pretty much was into horses at the time. So I wasn't paying that much attention to football, although I did pick a side. And of course it was Auburn. And like most kids in elementary school, I wrote and drew all over my notebooks and things like that with war eagles and go tigers and things like that. That's awesome. I'm glad that it started early and uh, maybe not the earliest part of your childhood, but at least some part of it. And so by the time you get into adolescence, you go to college and you're really fully into the culture that is Auburn and learning about it. And even coming from a background where you didn't have an exposure to uh, what Auburn or necessarily life was like in the South. And it's really neat that you bring up your father and uh, your, your sisters and how he was trying to find a right fit. And I I know you were talking about maybe the the rules, the uh, regulations, the, um, intentional care to certain aspects of life that Auburn seemed to utilize in certain areas during that time. Uh, Do you think at all, I I don't know your family that well, we're kind of getting to know you right now. Was your dad kind of a blue collar kind of guy or, or something of that nature? Because I feel like that's the label that Auburn gets sometimes. No, I would not classify him as blue collar. He, he was not a corporate executive by any means, but he was, in the management track with his company mm-hmm. and, but he had come from a very humble background himself. And I think he appreciated the the family feeling that a place like Auburn provided. And again, it was an extension of his own beliefs and how he wanted his own children to be treated. So I, I think it was as much a, a comfort zone for him as it was the fact that he knew he was, exposing all of us to something that would help us, you know, years down the road and the rest of our lives. Yeah. And you got to feel comfortable with where you're sending any child that you're having. uh, And you want to see how that matches up with whatever your values are and what they can provide to um, your student that you're sending to them to essentially care and help them grow during that period of time in their life. So you watch your sisters go off to college. You're growing in your Auburn fandom. When do you make the decision to come to Auburn and how does that happen? Um, actually, the, I think the decision was made for me. I, I, 
my sisters and I have always been very close. And so, you know, doing what they had done was something I felt comfortable with and somewhat familiar with because I had been able to, to do some visits with my parents coming down for games and weekends and things like that while they were in school here. Um, they both got married and actually left home while I was still in junior high school. So the exposure became more limited at that point because it would basically end up being my attending football games with my parents whenever they got a chance to get some tickets to go. So the visits on campus were limited from that point on. But I distinctly remember a college career day when I was in high school where you could go around to the the different schools and visit and learn more about their schools and help make your decision on where you might want to apply. And I learned that um, I think it was Ole Miss was offering the waiving of -of out-of-state tuition if you had a certain score on your ACT or higher in order to attract students that would, would be good students. So I came home to my dad and told him about that and decided that Ole Miss looked like a pretty good option because of that. And he said, you can go to any school in the SEC you want to, and I'll pay your way to Auburn. That's a pretty good deal, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that decision was made, I think, right then and there, for sure, locked it in. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that'll get the job done if uh, he says, I'll I'll pay for one way. You can go anywhere you want, but if if you'll go here, I'll pay for it. I was like, well, I think I might choose that route over there. Okay, I think I'll follow my sister's footsteps. Not so bad. I mean, you, you, like you said, this is something that kind of started developing in you know, the latter part of elementary school. It wasn't a foreign concept to you. You weren't like, what's this little podunk city of Auburn, Alabama? You've been going to games and uh, tailgating and things like that. So talk to me about the a perspective of being in a, a family growing up and going to the games before you became a college student. What do you remember about that? Uh, what was the perspective through a, a younger Susan's eyes? I always enjoyed going to the games and when we got a chance. Um, We lived in Birmingham, so the first opportunity I remember going to a game would have been before my oldest sister actually started school, and it it was an Iron Bowl. I want to say that it was the one where Kenny Stabler ran in the mud. And, of course, Auburn didn't win that one. It's an unfortunate uh, first memory. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you were sitting in the upper deck at Legion Field, and that may or may not have been the tornado game. I just remember at some points, on more than one game that we went to, you couldn't see the field because it was raining so hard, but people didn't care. And they started printing those little posters with the final score at the end, as you left the stadium and it was always fun to get one of those as a souvenir and of course flaunt it in somebody's face as you're uh-huh. leaving. it was in your favor. <laughs> Not yeah. that I'd ever want to rub it in or anything, but I mean, I mean, who doesn't love to rub it in every once in a while? I mean, it goes both ways. You know, if you got it, if you dish it out, you got to be willing to take it. Well, and we didn't get a chance to rub it in that often during that stretch of the football season. So, <laughs> so I'd imagine you got your fair share when uh, you had the opportunity to and reveled in that opportunity. Yes. And I distinctly remember regretfully deciding not to attend the Iron Bowl in 1970. I believe it was 1972. For Punt Bama Punt? No, 71. It was the Punt Bama Punt game, as it mm-hmm. turns out. And of course, my parents did go 
And I think my dad actually stopped someplace and called me on their way home and pretty much said, well, we missed a good one. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, I mean, think about it. That one was the Iron Bowl of all Iron Bowls. And then, you know, in a storied history like that with so many games, to have something so spectacular happen, you got to be just sitting there kicking yourself thinking, we could have been there for that moment because I know I've done that for games that I've missed thankfully I've been at some of the bigger ones but I can only imagine for you at the time thinking how on earth were we not there that had to have been really disappointing well and I my my parents were there and I decided not to go because in my teenage wisdom we were not favored to win and I did not want to sit through it and watch us lose so I felt especially bad for not having attended, but you always hear about people saying, well, my mom and dad went to such and such a place and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> well, all I got from that game was a lousy bumper sticker that said 1716. Hey, look, you know, at least you got something out of it. Even if you don't have the memories of actually being there, uh, <laughs> you do have something to at least remember that you have some connection to that with someone being in attendance that you were close to exactly. at that game. And I mean, you know, it's amazing to think about this. I mean, even early on, you're being taught in the lesson of that Auburn is never counted out of a game. Now, there may be long stretches where we lose <laughs> 10 years, I think, at that point uh, that Auburn had lost to the Crimson Tide or to follow that, whichever order that came in. And uh, you, you just got to know that if you're an Auburn fan, you're coming in and you're going to be the cardiac kids. You're, you're going to have a heart attack the entire time and you'll probably play down to your competition. But by golly, if there is someone who is highly ranked coming into your stadium or even you going there, you stand a chance of uh, competing and maybe even win the game. So I think that was probably your first lesson in that. It probably was. And I don't think I have repeated a similar opportunity should it ever come up. If given a chance to go, I'm there. Well, lesson learned, and I think that has uh, served you well up until this point because I know that you've been to some great games and experienced some great moments since then. Maybe we'll touch on a few of those in a second. So Susan goes to Auburn. What is Susan's intention in terms of studying? Uh, what are you wanting to get out of your experience of uh, Auburn University as a student? Besides looking at all the cute college boys. <laughs> <laughs> the honesty comes out, and I love it. I had studied Spanish in high school and really liked it and had decided that I was going to become a Spanish teacher. End of story. You could not talk me into doing anything else. So I f- just single-mindedly focused on that. And much to my father's dismay, who tried to persuade me to choose a different curriculum, he let me follow my path. I think he had the the whole philosophy of you got to learn yourself and make your own mistakes. And he wasn't going to come back and tell me, I told you so later. But at the same time, um, he tolerated it and let me go through there. So in my teenage wisdom, again, I decided that instead of being in the school of education to get my Spanish degree and be able to teach that I would get my degree through the College of Arts and Sciences, Hmm. which in my mind was going to make me more flexible and and available for other types of opportunities that might come along. So I actually had a double major because of that, as well as my minor. And then I actually finished getting my degree in three calendar years. 
Oh, wow. So you made the quick route. You t- So you literally took the opposite route that most people take these days. I took five. Well, no, I'm not actually lying. I took longer than that, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, three calendar years and you have a double major and a minor. Am I, am I hearing that correctly? Yes. Wow. And you said that you off air here, we talked about how you had a, a fun time while you were in college and you still got out in three years. How did you manage to do that? Well, I did attend in the summer terms. We had quarters back then. It wasn't the semester system. Um, I think there was only one summer that I did not attend school. I started the summer immediately after high school so I could get a jump start on acclimating myself to campus and things like that before fall hit with the the big football season and everything like that, which I think was a really good decision. And honestly, because as you know, summer term is – much more laid back Mm -hmm. and gives you a chance to be accustomed to being away from home and on your own and having different kinds of responsibilities than you did at home and not have to take as hard a course load at the same time. So I think that kind of helps set the tone for being able to finish early. But once I got started, I just couldn't stop and had to keep going and didn't want to have to have any credits left over that would cause me to have to stick around longer or anything like that. I just wanted to to be done. So that's what I did. You sound like a very goal oriented person. And when you have that, that vision that you're going to just move on like a steamroller towards it. And I wonder, you know, now learning a little bit about your family's uh, history with your father being the way he was, I wonder if that played a little bit into it, uh, just kind of being very, you know, not not regimented, but very, you know, focused and uh, just driven towards a certain goal and making sure uh, that you reach that and as you know, quick as you possibly can or as efficiently as you possibly can. Do you feel like that kind of played into it? I think that had a lot to do with it because he did have high expectations. It was one of those things if you brought home good grades instead of getting congratulated, it was like, well, that's really good, but why didn't you do this as well? So there was always that one little thing that had been missing that he would tease me about that made me think, okay, so next time I get to do this and that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always giving you that next thing to to focus on and keep pushing towards never letting you uh, settle and pushing. It sounds like to me, pushing you to be the best that you can be. Uh, just on this outside looking in into that situation there. Um, but talk to me a little bit about campus life. Uh, what What is Auburn like while you're there? Because as we know right now, you, you live there currently right now. It's kind of, spoiler alert, we were going to get to that point, but she currently lives in Auburn. Things have changed in the last six months at Auburn that were the six months ago. I mean, it's, it's just changing so quickly. It's crazy. But paint that picture to me, Auburn, Alabama, Auburn, the university. What was it like when you were there? It was a much more laid back time when I was in school here as it is now, uh, mainly because the city of Auburn itself was such a smaller town than we have today. And we used to laugh about five o'clock on Friday afternoons, the whole downtown just rolled up their sidewalks and shut down for the weekend. That's (laughs) pretty much what happened. Um, most people either had to go home or you had to go to Montgomery or Columbus if you wanted to go out to eat. There were, um, there were not any restaurants per se in Auburn, honestly, during that time, because the city administration would not allow any kind of liquor licenses 
for even just regular residents to live here. So people had to go to Opelika or elsewhere to even be able to eat and have a dinner where you could have a glass of wine or something with it. Now they did change the age, the legal age while I was a student here. So I, I entered as a freshman where I was not old enough to vote or anything like that. And during my freshman year, that all changed. So where, as I spoke before about my father having concerns about restrictions and rules and guidelines for his daughters, we had sign-out cards in the dorm. Number one, you had to live in a dorm if you were an undergraduate and not married. Wow, that's that's crazy to think about. Like just (laughs) the things that you had to do to just stay in a dorm at Auburn back in the day. I mean, how times have changed. Yes. Now, as I can tell you more about that later, but the, the sign-out cards was a thing that, that gave them comfort because he always knew where, where I would be and when I would be home and what would happen to me if I didn't make it home in time. Um, so we had the Friday night restrictions. If you accumulated a certain number of late minutes throughout the week, then mm-hmm. you were not allowed to be out after 8 o'clock on Friday night. Wow. I had no clue that it was that restricted for you. <laughs> yeah, my freshman year, I don't think I ever went out on Friday nights. <laughs> well, it didn't sound like there was much to go out to. Like you said, you said they just kind of uh, rolled things up and put it away and then went to Opelika, went to Montgomery. And, you know, you forget sometimes when you look at Auburn now and the hustle and bustle that it is, re- respectively, you know, it's no, it's no Montgomery. It's no Opelika. It's definitely no Atlanta. Uh, but when you think about the small town feel and why Auburn, I think has been able to maintain it for so long is I think, you know, the history like that is where, uh, you know, it was never a destination place for the longest time. And now it's kind of working towards becoming more of a, a destination of sorts, if not maybe like a tourism uh, type of thing, but at least for a weekend getaway, especially focusing on keeping people there, not just for a football game day, but maybe a a football game or basketball game weekend and spending time shopping and eating and things like that. So you have literally seen a town and a university change the way it perceives itself in the time that you've been there and now living there. I would definitely agree to that. And I would say that when I was a student, it was probably more like being sent off to a boarding school somewhere (laughs) than it was going to a college town and having um, a life if you will, and being able to exist and maintain normal activities for that age group while you're in school, but still be away from home. So it was, it was a nice environment to be in. It's not for everybody, obviously, but it's um, something that I think draws a lot of people back over the years. Mm -hmm. Like myself, there's a huge influx right now of people who are moving back to Auburn permanently just because they enjoyed the experience when they were in school and coming back and they want to have a simpler life away from the bigger cities and all the the traffic and everything that you see elsewhere. It definitely has its draw. And I think a lot of that draw is built in, as you said, from the history that people have there, or at least the feeling that they, they get when they've been there in the past and visited or gone to a game or something like that. Uh, the connections are, are deep and wide for every person when it comes to Auburn, but uh, everybody's got a, a way that connects them there and wants to, makes them want to be there, whether it be for a single day at a time or a lifetime. 
So let, let's talk a little bit more about maybe sports while you're there in college. What do you remember about your time there? What was the big name? Uh, what were what were big games or anything anything that you can remember on that sort? My freshman year at Auburn was actually Suge Jordan's final year to coach. Or no, he he may have coached throughout while I was there, but he was on his his way towards retirement. Um, we were not very good in those years. <laughs> and so there wasn't the kind of excitement that we typically have today where there's the buzz about how well we're going to do and enticing big name recruits and things like that. Um, I do, I can tell you that I was on the tail end when I entered as a freshman, Thomas Gossam was either a junior or a senior, I think here at Auburn. And as you know, he played football for us. He was the first walk-on to receive a scholarship who's Mm African-American and has gone on to have an acting career. And I think he's a judge as well. So he's been very successful in life, but he, he was in one of my sociology classes and I just, that memory has stuck in my mind all these years. And I knew it then because he was a football player. Mm And so I knew who he was. It wasn't anything else. And then years later, you think back and it's like, oh, yeah, that guy was in my class. <laughs> so it's funny to think back and, and see how far you have come personally, but even the people that you knew while you're there and see, you know, that cool story of, of what he went through and now being so revered and what he was able to accomplish by becoming a student and an athlete there. And then now moved on. I mean, it sounds like he's been pretty busy acting and possibly in some sort of judge format. Uh, So now you get to point back and look to not only the uh, change of the city, but the change of the times and society and see how it's been reflected at Auburn and how Auburn was maybe a little bit more forward in those areas and some other places in the world and in our nation. And so that's really great. Uh, that you get to think that. And I even think back to what you brought up about Shug Jordan. So you said that it, we weren't as good, obviously, at the tail end in the last year or so of his uh, tenure there. But was it was everybody angry at Shug for how the program kind of had dwindled off? Or was it kind of one of those things he was so revered that it was just kind of, well, we just kind of need to find a different change of pace? You know, that's, that's a good question. I honestly, looking back, don't see – or remember anything about my parents, for example, or their friends or whoever that might've been discussing the program like we do today. Of course, keep in mind, our means of getting information was through newspapers Mm -hmm. and not through social media and the internet, which is instantaneous today. It was more filtered and more slow to reach everybody back then. So you just didn't get as much inside information as we're accustomed to now. Um, so I, I don't think I wouldn't call it a complacency, but I think it was an understanding of, you know, this is a college program, they're college athletes, and they're here for an education and to play football, and some are going to do really well. And as long as, as they play exciting games, I don't think there was as much concern over the win loss record, the way that we track it today. Yeah, that's kind of the impression that I have of the end of Shook Jordan's um, time at Auburn is that it was time to, for a change, something new, uh, but it wasn't one that was maybe a tumultuous end as some of our other coaches have had at the time. And I still find it interesting that many of the coaches, especially football ones that have had maybe abrupt ends or are too short in some areas, 
uh, ends, they still come back to Auburn. And I think that speaks to how awesome the town, the university is that the person you fired wants to come back and be here amongst the people because that just is a testament to how awesome yeah, this that, place and is. And that I think goes to all the sports too, not just football. Right. It's, it's the feeling and there is something intangible about Auburn, the school, the town, the whole thing that it's hard to explain, but if you've experienced it, you know it. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C Network Booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C Network to join the E2C Network Booster Club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. Back a little bit more on time at Auburn and, and some maybe any other games or moments or sports related, even maybe not football that you can remember during your time that you experienced. Oh, let me think about that. I know I, I think I attended one basketball game when I was a student. For some reason, I just wasn't all that interested in basketball. And of course, that that has changed. <laughs> Quite a bit. <laughs> I, I, mean, I had classes with guys that were on various teams. I went out a couple times with a guy who was on the golf team. And the golf team was pretty good back then, from what I remember. But I just, I was more into the... The horsey things, like I said, we still had horses at home, so I was responsible for that. But uh, my my perspective obviously has since shifted to focus more on the sports, and I, I kind of wish, looking back, that I had been more interested in it from that angle. But at the same time, I, I do appreciate it now. And I think part of it was when you're a student, I think very often, in all honesty, your focus is is just completely different. Well, it needs to be, honestly. <laughs> For those <laughs> that didn't make it uh, their focus, that being a student, uh, I think they found it harder uh, to get done in you know five and six years as, as with you, three years. So that's impressive. And I know you said that you had summer terms and you got a little bit of an early start, but that's still a testament to how committed you were, how uh, – you know, taught you were to to be focused and uh, have your time in Auburn. And it sounds like that you, even despite having a very busy schedule, uh, a very quick time as being a student there, that you um, had some great experiences and memories, whether it was meeting coaches and players, having classes with players, 
um, you had a pretty good experience for it sounds like. And I think based on where you are now in life, I would think you're pretty fond of the place. Oh, definitely. No question. So let's talk a little bit about after college and uh, where are you, where where does life take you? If you could give me a brief summation of that and kind of what have you been doing with life since then? And maybe we can get into how Auburn wraps within that. Well, I I did actually put my Spanish degree and secondary education major to work for a couple of years. I was a Spanish teacher in high school. Um, I found out pretty much right away when I got there that it wasn't all that I had expected it to be. And it was not a good fit for me personally. So I focused on the Spanish language part and actually went after I stopped teaching on the second year, I joined Auburn's foreign language departments program where they have a study abroad situation every summer. Mm -hmm. And it was the Auburn and Alabama did it in conjunction with each other. And they took turns playing the host. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that Auburn and Alabama cooperated on something together? On the foreign language department. Yeah. Okay. That, I guess that was okay. Cause it wasn't competitive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't find a way to make it competitive. <laughs> it was, it was Auburn's turn to host. So I decided to talk my parents into letting me do that. And my, final summer quarter, which was when I graduated, was actually spent abroad studying in Madrid with the Auburn program that they had. And so that was a life experience that I had. And then I did the high school teaching myself, decided teaching wasn't for me. So I went back after I stopped teaching to go on the program again only as an audit student, so I didn't have to worry about taking things for credit, but I wanted to have the life experience to improve my Spanish because at that point I had decided that international business was the thing for me to do, and at the time Auburn did not offer a program in that. You could get a foreign language degree and you could get a business degree, but they didn't have a way to connect the dots and promote it that way. So long story short, Spent some time in Spain. I actually got a job and stayed there instead of coming home. Came home many months later than originally planned and ended up going back to school in Birmingham to get a computer science degree. And then that's when I got into the the business of IT and then later doing consulting with it. So Auburn, as much as it is my first love, it was not the degree that got me my career. Well, it got you started down the path to where you were going to be. It was a roundabout path, but yes, it, it definitely got me there. And I, I appreciate that. And I still keep in touch with people from the old language department. Well, and you know, it doesn't matter really where you started and how you got to a certain place, but it matters kind of the journey along the way and kind of how you got to that point is sometimes a little bit more interesting than the destination. It sounds like the destinations that I would say destinations, it's pretty great, you know, international uh, relationships that you've built. Speaking of which, what is it like being in an international places and being an Auburn fan? Did you ever have any war eagle moments aside from D? Actually, several times. Um, obviously, the, the two times I was there with the school study program, that was a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. But um, I've been back several times for vacations and visiting other 
countries as well as going back to Spain. And it seems like every place I have been, I have seen people wearing Auburn gear. I was actually in Bruges, Belgium several years ago, and the people who were climbing the spiral staircase up to the top of the bell tower just ahead of us were people whose kids were in school at Auburn. That's pretty and awesome. Two days later, we ran into them again in Paris. <laughs> we just seem to find each other, don't, don't we? Like, no, it's you can... like magnets. And I know Dee was horribly disappointed the time that we spent the day with her at Windsor because I had taken her an Auburn goodie bag of various things that either she had requested. I know Jeremy Henderson had sent some Girl Scout cookies for me to personally deliver to her. And so I had one of those big plastic Auburn shopping bags and thinking, oh, this will be really cool. We're walking around Windsor Castle taking the tour with Dee wearing her Auburn bag on her shoulder and not one person said a word to us. That was Mm. the first time I've experienced that. Such a shame, but I I don't think it affected her that much because she's still all orange and all blue, Uh, even though that's a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, She was dressed head to toe in Auburn colors that day. And I, I, looking back, I feel bad now because I was not, I was dressed in just normal vacation gear. Well, I I think she probably wore enough for the both of you and uh, was probably (laughs) clearly, I don't think anybody had any question who she belonged to at that point. So I think you, by association, it probably just bled over into you and people assumed that you were orange and blue all the way through as well. Um, uh, Yeah, we did get some strange looks like, (laughs) what's that AU thing and why is she carrying that bag? Throughout my work travels for many years, I, I would fly across the country for work every week basically and many 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 times the the captain of whatever plane I was a passenger on that time would have Auburn credentials or you'd see people in the airport I mean all over the country not just the Atlanta airport Mm -hmm. but everywhere you would see people wearing Auburn gear so we we literally are everywhere we have literally infected the entire world I mean we're running Apple we are you know on a stage in, in Broadway in New York. We're in movies. You know, we're in international We've uh, been business. To the moon. <laughs> I mean, literally, we run the college football and college sports world. <laughs> we basically are the Disney of college and college relationships and all that kind of stuff. We just got our hand in everything at this point, it seems like. And it seems like you have had your hand in a lot of different things. Spanish, international business. Uh, you've got these history and these stories there. Speaking of which, I, there's one thing I do want to jump back to. You You mentioned Jeremy Henderson. By the way, folks, if you haven't, he was guest number two, episode two. You listen to his Auburn Roots if you want to check that out as well. If you haven't done so, it's a great uh, time listening to the stories he has there as well. You have a connection to Jeremy that might embarrass him a little bit, and I'd be remiss if we didn't bring that up. So would you like to share that? Yes, if he's listening, he might want to kill me. Um, his mother his mother was my sweet maid in the dorm my freshman year. We had gone to high school together for a couple of years, and then a new high school was built, and so the population split. She actually went to the new one, and I, I stayed at the other, but we still had a lot of mutual friends. And um, so that, that was a real interesting revelation that he had been unaware of. Of course, he does know it now. We, I tease him about it a lot, but he and I actually met over 
his interviewing me for my memories and recollections of what it was like to live on campus at Auburn during the winter that everybody went streaking. <laughs> you were part of that production of the War Eagle Reader. Oh, I, I did not participate in the streaking. Let me make that clear. Well, yeah, I was glad you <laughs> clarified that part of it. But the fact that you have memories of it, you, I'm not going to let you get away without sharing a little bit about that. Well, I was on one of my Friday night restrictions. So I, I was not allowed to leave the dorm when an episode broke out. So the, the dorm mother assigned me and some other girls that were in we were the ones who were in charge of guarding the windows and doors on the first floor to make sure that no naked boys tried to climb in. Mm, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you hear all these stories about how Auburn has changed in the past, but then there are some things that are just like, you know, a lot of things have changed, but a lot of things have remained the same. College, college <laughs> students sometimes are just a little crazy. And I say that as, as an Auburn student at one time myself. You know, we just, we make some interesting choices sometimes. And it leads to great stories. I mean, because here you are, obviously not participating, but having these recollections of interesting times at Auburn. And uh, that's that's funny. I can only imagine what that was like to experience for you. Uh, a friend of mine is the guy who was the very first streaker down Haley Center Concourse. Wow. I, I didn't know it until later, but um, <laughs> it is, it's a very small world out there. It truly is. And especially in a time like Auburn where it was even smaller, you know, word and uh, sometimes sites travel around fast in such a small and close-knit community. Um, so I'm sure you have very vivid, sometimes probably too vivid memories of that. Um, on that front, let's talk a little bit more about modern stuff and being an Auburn fan uh, a little bit today. I never like to date the episode too much in case people are listening way off in the future, uh, but we're living in a time where I think Auburn has seen, you know, probably if not the most, one of the more successful times in college athletics for itself. Uh, we've been through uh, the first Final Four run for Auburn basketball. Uh, we've seen women's tennis make it to the final two or four, I believe. We've seen football go to the national championship uh, twice and win one of them. SEC championships and tons of sports. Softball has had some time. So what sticks out to you most about you know this time in Auburn? Uh, have you been to the big games? Have you been to the kick six? Anything like that? Of course I was at the kick six. <laughs> I was at the prayer at Jordan-Hare. Oh, you I got both of them under your belt. Yes. Very yeah, nice. But I was there for both of them and with my jaw scraping the floor in front of me when it happened. Um, I was at the 2010 BCS championship game, so I got to see us win it all. And I typically don't travel a whole lot to away games like some people do, but mm -hmm. I have been to bowl games and things like that. But one thing that sticks out to me with our sports program is that not only are we well-known nationally because of our football program and the team and the record and everything like that, but many of our other sports have come to the forefront and are getting a lot of positive attention right. and recognition. And I think that's something that when I was a student, it was pretty much football and then everybody else. It's funny how times have changed in that regard. We talked a lot about how things have changed in the community and stuff uh, where, you know, you're thinking back to your college days and while you had familiarity with the other programs, it was mainly just football. Here we are in a day and age where we get 
almost just as excited about some of the other sports. And I'm not even talking about basketball and baseball. I'm talking about softball, I'm talking about gymnastics. Uh, you said you have a history to love, had a lo- love of horses. What's your uh, l- level of interest in, um, you know, about the equestrian program right now? I love the equestrian program and I have been to several of the meets. I don't go as regularly as I would like to. Um, hoping that will change in the near future just because it's it's one of those things that with so many things happening in the fall on weekends mm-hmm. you just run out of time to be able to cover everything you want to right and living here in Auburn like I do today I have a lot of friends who come in from other places who stay with me on football weekends and of course you feel obligated as a, a host to either do things with them or whatever. So your time is not always your own when it comes to scheduling things, but I really love watching the program. I think coach Williams has done a great job with building that program. And I wish that we had had something like that when I was a student, because I I think it would have been fun to, to see if I could have gotten into it. Now these girls are light years ahead of my skill set when it comes to riding horses, but it's still, if you love horses, you love horses. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's great that, you know, um, you you have that connection with something that for a while there wasn't so popular at Auburn, but since Greg Williams has been there and built this, it's, it's such a quintessential Auburn story, building a program or building something from the ground up from scratch and bringing it up to where it is now is I think what defines an Auburn story in, in some aspect. Um, so I, I'm very proud of the program and it sounds like you are, you've already had an interest in it and the horses as well, uh, but it's growing and budding in that. So you're just going to have to find some more time, Susan. You got to stop hosting people at this point. So I know, I'm, or I'm just going to have to give them a key to my house and say, see you later. <laughs> Do what you want with it. I'm at the equestrian <laughs> meet today. <laughs> Well, is there anything else before we get to our final uh, segment, uh, some rapid fire questions with you that you want to mention about your Auburn story or Auburn roots that we haven't had time to maybe um, hash out yet? I would like to say, I guess that there is hope for someone who has been adopted into the Auburn family like I have, Mm -hmm. even though I got adopted fairly young, it was kind of like coming in cold. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a testament to the the school, the city, everybody involved, that things have turned out the way that they have. And as a result, I'm living here today, enjoying every minute of it and feel like I've made the best decision I possibly could have. I would. There are a lot of people out there that are probably envious of you right now and being able to live in that town to experience the things that you get to experience, not even just the football games, but the, the people and I think that's what we talk a lot about on this uh, podcast is that, you know, Auburn, while it technically is a place, it really, Auburn is a people and that is what makes it so special. And that's why we have the stories of, of meeting a D Ford. You have the uh, stories of the athletes that you went to class with, you know, all these things, th- this town, this university wouldn't be as special without the people the stories and the relationships. And it sounds like that you have had a whirlwind and an interesting, um, a special group of experiences inside Auburn, outside of it because of your Auburn experiences. And it's been very fun to walk down this memory lane with you, but we're not done yet, Susan. We have to ask you the not so rapid fire, rapid fire questions uh, that everybody has to go through. And you asked me previously, can you plead the fifth? I 
I won't force you to, but I, I will try to push you for an answer on some of them. They're not, some of them may be a little difficult, but I think some of them are, I balance difficulty and easiness in these, I think pretty, pretty evenly. So we'll find out what you think. If you're ready, we'll get started with those. I will do my best. Hit All me. Right. 12 questions. Question number one, orange or blue? Blue. Any reason why? Blue's always been my favorite color and we but- are big blue. We are, we are, we call them the boys in blue for a reason. Uh, most of the people I think they say that blue looks better on them. I don't know. I've seen orange on some things and it looks pretty good. I mean, whenever Jessica, my wife wears orange, I really like that color. So <laughs> of course I'm a little bit fond to anything she wears. So that's uh, not fair to the rest of us. Okay. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but blue is your choice for question. Number one, question number two, here's a toughie. Obby or war Eagle. Oh, Albie has a soft spot. War Eagle has been around longer, I think, as far as a physical mascot mm-hmm. and the level of activity. But Albie reaches out into the community with kids and things like that. And I really think that he's he's a big part of why we're known as a family. Well, I think what he captures is the the, the fun nature of being an Auburn family member. And, and while the War Eagle is not necessarily not fun, it's more of that that pride, that uh, warrior spirit, if we can get it, they balance each other out. And that's why I think it's fun to see everybody's perspective of which one you would go more towards. Cause I think it changes for me, honestly, but you are safe from the minions of Albie because if you had chose war Eagle, they would come after you. <laughs> I can promise you that. Well, war Eagle can't give you a hug and Albie can. Well, it could give you a hug, just not a very comfortable one. We'll go with <laughs> we'll just put it that way. <laughs> Question three. Uh, this one's probably easy, and I'm, I think I need to change this one down the line. But uh, number three, Auburn fight song or glory, glory to all Auburn? Oh, Auburn fight song. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that one. I just keep hoping someday someone's going to pick glory, glory to all Auburn because I love that old battle hymn. I uh, like our version better than that other school's version. Well, there's several schools that try to copy, and they have to basically like add a syllable or, or a, a verse in there to just fit their name. It, we won't even mention them. It's not worth yeah, it. No, our, ours is the bar. Of course. Question four, your favorite Auburn Athletics program of all time? Of all time. Mm. Meaning, I mean, it can be, you know, football, equestrian, gymnastics, it, just in general. When you think uh, of the Auburn sports programs, who's your favorite? I would have to say football because I have the longest history with it. Mm-hmm. But living here in Auburn, I have been able to enjoy so many other sports that I never had really paid that much attention to. So they're gaining on it. It sounds like our based on our conversation, uh, that might change some point in the future. You never know the way things are going with some of these programs. Question five, your favorite Auburn athlete. Oh, you know, that's tough because I, I personally know some guys who are on our current team and think the world of them and their families, but there, I do have a soft spot for Cam Newton like a lot of people. I have had the privilege to work with him in his summer camps for the past four years, and he's just a joy to watch. He is filled with so much enthusiasm for life, it seems like. Filled with joy. It was a joy to be around him, I think, because he exuded so much joy while he was here, and I think in, in most of the time since he's left Auburn as well. I, I haven't met a guy that I think loves Auburn as much as Auburn loved him back, and it's, it's a great thing to see. Agreed. Number six, your favorite Auburn coach. Oh, listen, these are not fair. I know they get, I don't think they get much easier. Maybe a few of them do, but. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
I'm thinking about that one. I just, I will have to say at this moment, Bruce Pearl, simply because he's kind of the Cam Newton of the coaches. I have not heard him described that way before, but you're probably not wrong. The Cam Newton of the coaches. We'll have to ask Coach Pearl if he agrees with that analogy someday. <laughs> and by that, I mean his, his infectious personality and his yes. being at ease with people. And Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see the way, the route that you went with that. Question seven. I want to know your favorite Auburn non-athletics person. So this can be anybody that's not directly associated with athletics. So a celebrity, a family member, an acquaintance, a teacher, professor, anybody you think of Auburn person when you think of this one? I would have to say my undergraduate advisor when I was a student who was also head of the foreign language department and with whom I am still Facebook friends today. Well, that's a great relationship that you've maintained since then. Would you like to give them a shout out or do you feel like that's something they may not want to have happen? I don't think that that either he nor I would be embarrassed over it. It's, it's Dr. Jose Madrigal. So you'll all have to look him up so you can know a little bit of the history. That's right. He he was also our chaperone on the second study abroad trip that I took. And he um, was a, a little shocked when I told him I wasn't coming home with the rest of the group. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we probably will have to just talk to him someday and get some of the stories of, of Susan that we didn't get into here that maybe he wants to share with us. He's got some. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit a little bit of dirt, huh? <laughs> Not bad dirt. Just... We all got a little dirt, just it matters how dirty it is. <laughs> uh, nobody's perfect. Question number eight, your favorite Auburn building? My favorite Auburn building, call me crazy, but it's Haley Center, and I'm really going to be sad to see it when it goes. Wait a minute. Hold on. Do you know something I don't? Is it, is it announced to be going? I have heard rumors that they might tear it down and rebuild it or try to refurbish it or whatever, but I don't know if there's any imminent plans, but it would Mm. not surprise me. And my oldest sister was actually a calendar girl picture in short shorts on a bulldozer in front of the construction site of Haley Center. (laughs) So that building has history. All my classes were there, so... Well, it has history because so much history is trapped in there and has never made its way out. I mean, to this day, they say there are students from, you know, the 1950s that, you know, never found their way out of there. Uh, I know it wasn't even around back then, but that's how deep it goes back in trapping things. But I I can't believe that. I mean, I hope that doesn't come to fruition. I know it's a monstrosity of an architectural standpoint it's it, people just real about it and you're the first one to actually say Haley Center so I'm happy that we finally got someone here that appreciates the oddity the uniqueness and sometimes even appreciates the frustrating nature of Haley Center but uh, it, it's definitely something that's important to Auburn so it'd be well, sad to see it's it not as scary and intimidating as a lot of people seem to think it is but I think the legend of Haley Center is bigger than the actual Haley Center <laughs> I think you're right all right, question number nine, your favorite Auburn place to eat? Favorite Auburn place to eat is no longer around, and that what? would be Santa Flush. Santa Flush. A lot of people lately have been talking that on recent episodes. Uh, yeah, that's uh, something that I think a lot of people lament that's no longer there. Uh, how often did you go and visit that? Oh, at least a couple times a week, whenever I could get over that way. Hmm. So I, I think had to... I, I had a car on campus, but you're so restricted on where you could go. So it was usually on weekends, but 
it was, they had good corn dogs, good chili dogs. And of course the soft serve ice cream was without par. That's what I hear these days. And I'm sad that I've never gotten to experience that. So I'll just have to settle for stories like yours and trying to appreciate uh, the Santa flush. Question 10, your favorite Auburn tradition. This can be sports or non-sports related, even something that you just have as a personal tradition at Auburn. Favorite tradition. I think the, the Eagle flight before home football games, Mm -hmm. just because of what it represents. Yeah. It means so much to uh, obviously us as Auburn fans, but I think even it has connotations, you know, for uh, feeling pride in our nation with it, you know, us using, especially when we use a bald eagle uh, as our nation, national bird and things like that, but what it means for us and uh, the way it just riles people up. And even in its short time is very special. It brings a lump to my throat every time I see it. And I've been seeing it for a long time. So it just, it never gets old. I can imagine. And I mean, same thing here. Uh, you know, I might turn away and, and pretend that I'm not crying every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You're allowed. Oh, I know. But you know, you know, us guys, we've got to be tough and you know, you can't see me cry. It's just dusty in here. Don't worry about it. I'm not crying over an Eagle. Uh, question 11, your favorite Auburn memory. My favorite Auburn memory. I'm thinking on that one. There's so many to choose from and for different reasons. Of course. But the way I try to guide people on this is like when someone tells me to tell me that why Auburn's important to me, I think this memory. I would have to say, I don't know, just it was just the open arms that the that the school and the whole community welcomed everybody when they were coming to school, regardless of where you were from, what you were studying, whatever. Everybody was treated the same way and same expectations, same responsibilities, and the same welcome. I think that's what makes uh, Auburn so special to this day is just the way that we just kind of want to build the family and want you to be a part of it, uh, unless you're from that school across the uh, <laughs> the state over there, close to the Mississippi line. And I know uh, you thought I was going to say the streaking, but it wasn't the streaking. So. You know, back in my mind, I was like, I wonder if we're going to go <laughs> that route. But uh, I think there's a lot of people that are thankful that you didn't pick that one. But hey, look, that's a unique Auburn memory and one that you will never forget. But I don't know if you want it to be your defining Auburn memory, though. Well, you know, it could have been sunbathing on the roof of the dorm. Well, there's that, too. We didn't even get into that. I mean, And the dorms have pitch roofs now, if that tells you anything. So you can't do it anymore. <laughs> so it sounds like you might have a head of hand in those, respons- in those pitched roofs now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your final question. Okay. Uh, this one, I think, is easy. And so I, we might have to kind of go do a 12, question 12A as well. But describe Auburn to me in one word. Home. I love it. We will not have to do a 12A because most people want to go with family, which is not a wrong answer. But I always kind of like to see what's the step past that. And so you went to home. And I think that fits so well for you, uh, a place that brought you in. uh, The community brought you in, as you said, and welcomed you with open arms. So much to the point where you have now made it your literal home. And as I said before, there are so many people that are envious of you now. So thank you for letting us live vicariously through you. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Uh, We have enjoyed learning about your Auburn roots and your Auburn story. And as I said at the beginning, 
uh, for the listeners out there. Don't ever feel like your story isn't important and isn't special. We've learned so many things, whether it be streaking, uh, sunbathing on a uh, formerly not pitched roof of a dorm. <laughs> Uh, we've learned about international uh, experiences and having war eagle moments from Susan, everything in between. And it's been fun getting to know and uh, learning about your experiences a little bit more on this podcast. So war eagle, Susan, and thank you. War eagle. Thank you, Kyle.